When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. That cold case you're listening to? Nasty stuff. But you know what else is a crime? Missing even a moment of whatever you're doing to go on a drink run. Luckily, there's Drizzly, the number one app for alcohol delivery. With Drizzly, you can compare prices on the biggest selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered in under 60 minutes. So download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y.com today. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 48 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And before we go any further, I just want to welcome everyone that may be discovering my podcast for the first time, especially because you heard me on my new radio show. I know I can be a lot, but I promise one of two things is going to happen. You are either going to love me or you are going to love to hate me. Either way, I'm cool with it. Just listen. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Digital Federal Credit Union, but we all know them here on the Mistress Carrie podcast as DCU. And not only is DCU a great place to do your banking at, but they are also a great place to work at. And they're hiring for full and part-time positions for several of their branch locations throughout Massachusetts and New Hampshire. And if you, a friend, or a family member are looking for a career change, or if you want to start a new career at a credit union, making a difference for their members and their employees, all you got to do is visit dcu.org careers. DCU is proud to be an equal employment opportunity and affirmative action employer. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by MistressCarrie.com, which is where you can find all things Mistress Carrie. Every episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast, both the full-length episodes that come out every Wednesday and the situation report that comes out Monday through Friday, bright and early, that fills you in on all your music news and industry info in less than five minutes. Every episode of my video show called Cocktails in the War Room, we're at 129 episodes, I believe now. We do it every Tuesday night live on my Facebook page at 8.30 Eastern. There's an events calendar, my photo galleries, my blog, and of course, the official Mistress Carrie online store. And Mother's Day is coming up on May 9th, and there is a Mother's Day sale happening in the store. If you go to mistresscarry.com, head into the store and use the code MOM2021, you will save 10% off all of the ladies' t-shirts and the badass Mistress Carry baby onesies straight through Mother's Day. So use the code MOM2021 when you shop at mistresscarry.com. 
There's also links to all of my social media accounts and, of course, the link to the Mistress Carrie Backstage Pass on Patreon. Okay, episode 48 has been a long time coming. When I launched the podcast, Jacoby Shaddix from Papa Roach was on the very short list of artists that people were like, you got to talk to Jacoby. Well, here he is. We finally had a chance to sit down and talk. Of course, Papa Roach working on new music, and we don't have an official release date yet, but it looks like they are going to try and release new music this year and, of course, uh, releasing a record, um, hopefully in early 2022, and hitting the road. But I really wanted a chance to sit down and talk to Jacoby since I hadn't talked to him since WAF went off the air in Boston last February. I can't believe it's been 15 months already. It's crazy. And Jacoby and I, we talked about a lot of stuff. We got super serious about some things too, especially uh, dealing with the lockdown and the separation and the isolation. We also talked a lot about his upbringing and about the military and Vietnam. And I mean, This is a really powerful episode. There's a lot of really funny parts in it, and there's also a lot of really serious parts in it. And you can tell that Jacoby and I have known each other for 20, what is it, 22 years now? If you're already a Papa Roach fan, you are absolutely going to love this episode. And if you're not a fan yet, I think hearing this interview with Jacoby is going to make you a fan. So allow me to introduce you to Jacoby Shaddix from Papa Roach. Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely pretty eyes. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stan. And you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself, Mrs. Carrie, is here to um, unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to... You have the privilege of listening to Mr. Scary. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. And purple hair in this motherfucker. You gotta That's have, a signature. You got to have the matching lighting when, when you got the hair, man. That's right. I, I actually, my hair was blue a while ago, and then it, it lightened up to this kind of like silvery kind of icy color. It's hard to keep a good color up. Trust me. I've been doing it for years. Yeah. I'm like, am I doing this every two weeks now? <laughs> I think so. Well, let me, let me start by saying hi and thanking you for coming on my show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's so good to see you. It's been a while, so it's nice to catch up. Yeah. It's so good to see you. Of course, I've been cyber stalking you and keeping tabs on everything that you've been doing through the whole lockdown. How are you? Uh, today I'm great. Um, asked me like six months ago, 
and I was kind of losing my shit for a minute. You know, I was uh, just kind of, I don't know, just felt like I was struggling with purpose, you know, because that part of my life uh, touring had been taken away and I just was not certain when that was coming back. And, you know, so I just threw myself into writing music and that's what really kind of like brought me back around again because I got a lot of great things going on here. It's been awesome to spend time with the family, you know, but uh, being creative definitely gave me a sense of purpose again. And we went in and recorded a whole new album and that set me straight. Well, let's talk about that because one of the things that I've always loved about you is that you're basically an open book and that you are so willing to talk about things. And and one of the things that has become a huge discussion in the world, and it's definitely come up over and over again on the podcast, is the mental health aspects of this kind of isolation, lockdown, severe life change, separation from loved ones. And I've been going through it a lot too because a few weeks before the lockdown started, WAF went off the air after 50 years. And so I was mourning the loss of this thing that was 29 years of my life and was like, all right, I guess I'm going to, you know, try to find another radio station to go to and had tried to find a new job. And then COVID hit. And it was like, not only are you not going back on the radio, but we're going to shut down the entire industry that you work in. And we don't know when anyone's going back to work. And it's been hard. Yeah. So that's that. I mean, when you throw that down, that's like, that can be terrifying straight up, you know, it's like, but I find when I get in spaces or places like that or where I, you know, struggling, um, I guess it really proves like who I am and what I'm about. You know, I think hard work always pays off. Passion and conviction towards something that you love is important. And so it's, it's a, it's been a tough time for a lot of people, even in, you know, I'll be straight with you. Like my 16 year old son, Jagger, he went through a real dark depression um, for probably about four to five months. And I was just like, what gives, you know, we're, I, we're not going to school. We're not, he's not fellowshipping with his homies, you know, playing sports. And that was uh that was a real hard time. And, and my son was not the same son I've, known his whole life and uh i just asked him straight up i was like you know you think would you be willing to go talk to somebody you know and so he he's uh he started doing talk therapy and that has been really really helpful you know because it's like i'm his dad right and and we have a real good relationship but i think that sometimes we feel more comfortable talking to a stranger you know about what's really going on and so you know, we've been supportive in that for him and, you know, and him talking about what he's struggling with. I'm going, Bubba, I'm right there with you, man. I know, I know what's, I know how you're feeling. I know this kind of this dark space. And I just told him, I was like, you put the work in and you're going to get the result. And, you know, now he's, he's, he turned a corner and he's doing great. You know, but part of that is he's going back to school and he's playing sports, you know, and so he's got his purpose. And so, and just like myself, I found that when I was struggling, I was like, well, I got to go back to what I love. What is the thing that I love? It's, it's, it's creating, it's working with my hands. It's, it's, it's taking something and turn it, taking nothing and turn it into something and that process and making music or, you know, 
building a skate ramp for my son, like taking nothing and turning it into something was like the healing element in my life. And, and my son's sport is a big, big thing for him too. So shout out to you though, for turning that corner and, you know, bringing the ruckus and not being, you know, shut down by the times. Well, I mean, that's the thing, right? Is that you got to adapt and overcome and, you know, our generation, can you imagine this lockdown when we were Jagger's age? Like, can you imagine with the limited technology we had available available to us back then, how much more isolating the world would have been without the Internet and and smartphones and social media and all of these things that at least the technology exists for me yeah. to still do this? Oh, yeah, totally. I, I would have lost my shit. Yeah, straight up, if I was a kid during, you know, during our day, if this was going down, I would have just fucking went mad. But yeah, thank God to for this modern technology. It's like that's that's why I set up this room. I was like, we're doing zooms all the time. I'm connecting with people across the world, talking about muse. Just it's a blessing to be able to have this medium to connect with people. And uh, yeah, isolation is not meant for us human beings. It's, it's not a good thing. Absolutely not a good thing. Did you name your studio? I, I built this studio during COVID, and I call it MCHQ. Did you name yours? I like that MCHQ. That's hard. Um, mine is Mine has a ridiculously, it's, my name is ridiculous. It's the Tresmangulin Spaceship. <laughs> yeah. I don't know where the word Tresmangulin came from. But it just kind of got some angles, and I was like, angulin, I don't know, I'm just getting weird. And I like to make up words, too. That's kind of one of my things. I'm a linguist. <laughs> I'm a wordsmith. Well, talk to me about, I mean, Papa Roach is one of those bands that's always a road band. You guys are always on tour. And then all of a sudden, it's not just putting the brakes on it. I mean, it's like hitting a brick wall that you go from 100 miles an hour to being home. I know the struggle of being off the road and, and isolated, but can you talk to me about some of the good things, being a husband, being a dad, because you were forced to slow your life down, some of the good things that have happened in the last year because of it? Absolutely. So many good things. You know, the silver lining, I've definitely found it. Uh, like I, you know, like I said earlier, I was pretty rattled. Um, but then once I realized I had been going for 20 years, I've been doing this just day in, day out. And I didn't realize that I really just needed a break. And so that's when I started to see the blessing in this and knowing that I could just breathe for a moment and go, all right, now, what? now what's my purpose here? Obviously, I'm, I'm a father, I'm a husband. Let me just sharpen my skills at those things and really get some quality time with my boys. You know, I got to spend time with my oldest son um, at the end of his high school, uh, at the end of his senior year. He graduated class 2020. So, um, so I got to spend time with him before he went away to college. I got to move him into college, which was cool. Um, I got to see him play some lacrosse games, which has been awesome. He, he goes to college out in Iowa. And uh, I've been going out there and visiting him every once in a while, watching his games. Uh, I've been able to watch my son Jagger play some football games. And that's been awesome. Uh, I built I built my little boy Brixton. I built him a skate ramp. 
you know, and that for me is just like, I love uh, woodwork, you know, I like doing that stuff. I'm not really the best at it, but I just like creating. And uh, I built this little quarter pipe and it came out dope as fuck. It's like, it's solid. It's solid. And, uh, you know, another thing is I, 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 I took a break from social media for a while too, because I was getting wrapped up just too much time on the doom scrolling and just even like living my life going, all right, what can I do that can I can post? And I'm like, that's not living. Like, this is not living, Cove. Like, remember, like, you got to be in the moment. And I've really focused on learning how to uh, be mindful of being in the moment because that's just where the gifts of this life exist. And uh, more and more, I've, I've gotten really deep into meditation. That's been a really uh, helpful tool for me. Um, I that also, keeps coming up. I uh, think a started, lot of people discovered meditation over this last year. Telling you, girl, it's it's like it's a thing that if I could if I could take it in a pill form, <laughs> right? Every everybody would be taking it, but it takes the work and and the and the patience and time. You know, set aside time uh, to do it. I also started doing this thing. Um, once a week where it's, it's called breath work. And I go to this class online and it's, uh, this deep circular breathing and you do it for like 25 minutes. And it's like, it's, it's like a out of body kind of meditative experience. And that for me has been, I've had some really heavy like breakthroughs in, in that stuff. And, you know, then, it, and trying to keep my fitness on track, you know, I was like, I was going good for a while. Then I like, then I fell in love with the cheeseburgers in the backyard, you know, and thickened up again. And I was like, all right, cool. I got to get fit again. So I've, I, I had a chance to get fit. Then I get fat and then I get fit again. So, you know, and, uh, and also just spending a lot of time with my wife, you know, and, and really like just, just being, you know, and being able to like, it sounds funny, like, but to get into to a TV show together. Like I'm, that's one thing we haven't done over years. Cause it's like, I'm always on the go. And, you know, we started watching some shows together, even just like goofy shows. Like there's a show called community. It's just a goofy slapstick kind of comedy thing that we watch. And, you know, uh, also a, a handmaid's tale getting into that, you know, and just doing some stuff like that. That's just some couch potato shit. That's good for me. You know, it's good for us. We've been joking a lot on the podcast about how COVID was either going to make your marriage bulletproof or make you call the divorce attorney. It's one of the two spending that much <laughs> close proximity time with each other. Oh, I mean, we go we go back and forth. It just depends on the month. You know, <laughs> it's uh, we're just we I mean, this this woman, Kelly, I, I, my wife, Kelly, I just. I love her madly. She is just, she makes me better really and truly. And it's like, we are, we, the reason I say like we butt heads and stuff, it's because we really, we, we challenge each other. We, we, we push each other to be better. And that's, that's something that is at times, you know, my ego, I don't want to listen to her suggestions or her, what she thinks I'm doing wrong or this and that. And she doesn't, you know, but eventually I'm like, Oh yeah. Like, she does got good advice. She is actually really intelligent and smart and, you know, but it's like my ego wants to be my way. And so 
yeah, definitely. I've known some people that have called it quits and I, and, uh, I know some people that got closer and I think me and my wife, uh, were solid. We're solid. This, this made me and, and my other half realize that we didn't want to wait anymore to get married. So I got married. Are you for real? I got married at the end of August in the middle of a pandemic. Fuck yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. And then a month later, then a month later he deployed. So he's overseas right now. Okay. Hey, that's cool though. You know, I mean, a little long distance, you guys can get through that. Yeah. What what the military is. He's a Marine. Oh shit. He's tough. Yeah. Yeah. It takes a badass to be down with mistress Carrie. It takes a badass, right? It's like it's it's not just some regular dude is going to be able to handle it. I I'm I'm a handful. Yeah, maybe maybe a few handfuls. Yeah, you know. <laughs> well, you understand it. This is something. So talking about the benefits and the good things that have come out of COVID, right? Anytime I would ever have a chance to sit down and talk to you, it would either be over the phone while I was on the air. Or it would be yeah. like backstage at a show when people were everywhere and you were doing voice exercises, getting ready to go on stage. And so when I started the podcast, I wanted it to be, I call it a rock lifestyle podcast because I obviously yeah. want to keep everybody in touch with their favorite bands. I still want to be able to introduce people to these amazing new bands that I think they're going to fall in love with. But it's all of the other stories that have the music woven through it that I think are the really interesting conversations that I was never really able to have because of time or circumstance. And so it's like, now I can sit down and have these long conversations with people. And one of the things that has come up as a trend in this podcast, doing these interviews now, is how many musicians come from military families. And I know that you are part of that. Yeah. My, uh, my father was a Vietnam veteran. Um, and also my wife's father, he's a veteran as well. He was a air force. He was a career. He was in, in the air force for, I think 25 years. And he, uh, was a jet engine mechanic. And then also my father-in-law, uh, sorry, my mother-in-law, she got remarried. And also Oscar, he was in the military as well. And uh, he was an army veteran. He served in Vietnam. And uh, it's it's pretty cool to be able to know that I have people in my family that have been willing to risk it all for what we have here in America. Because I've traveled the world. I got to tell you, man, I've been, I've been to Russia many times over. I love the fans there. I love doing shows there. The vibe there is amazing when it comes to the rock shows, but when it comes to the, to the cultural vibe, it's just seems hard. It just seems kind of a little bit, I guess not beat down, but I communism just doesn't seem like it's rad for the people. Right. And, and uh, so it's definitely made me, my traveling around the world has definitely made me grateful to live in America. Um, also, you know, countries like Sweden, that place, that place is awesome. Sweden is, is a trip, dude. I love that place up there. Um, Germany is great. I've been able to uh, tour some military bases as well. So that's been cool. Support the troops over there. I've got to drive an APC, an armored personnel, personnel character. So we're carrier. So we're like driving tanks. They're like taking us out on this training track and 
yeah, man, we've had some good times with our with our brothers and sisters. There's the no military. better audience, right, than playing a rock show because this comes up all the time too. Um, you know, I just talked to Rick Nielsen from Cheap Trick not that long ago, and he was talking about the Cheap Trick USO tours. There's just there's no better crowd than playing a rock show for a bunch of military personnel, right? Oh, I got to tell you the best one we've ever done. So we played in uh, Camp Casey, which is in South Korea. It's right up on the DMZ. It's like the last military base that's right up on there. And we showed up and and the everywhere we went on base, the soldiers were just like, oh, they're so stoked where you guys are here, you know? So we show up and before we perform, they have a boxing event. So there's like soldiers boxing in the ring inside this big, big old auditorium and the band and the band's equipment is set up on a stage across the auditorium. So you got to imagine, right? These dudes have been up on camp Casey for months. There's nothing around like it's isolated and they have a fighting event. Everybody's drinking. We show up, we start playing the barricade breaks. It's like, the, they're going the crowd they were insane right they were just out of control and the base commander was just like on the side of the stage he's like he's like stop so i'm like all right cool we gotta stop for a moment hold up so i go to the side of the stage and the commander's like i gotta go talk to my boys and i was like do you mind like if i had a word with him and just you know tried to chill it out first and he was like all right go ahead let's see what you got so, dude, they had busted the barricade down. So I'm like, hey, guys, they're like, we got we to gotta chill it out just a little bit. You guys got to stop beating each other up in the mosh pit. You guys are all bloodied up. You know, like, this isn't about, like, destroying each other. Like, you understand, right? Like, this is just about, like, let's bounce. Let's have a good time. Let's have a party. You guys got to back up. We got to fix the barricades. So they came in. They fixed the barricade. And the commander was like, all right, good job, kid. And we continue to rock the show, but it was freaking bananas. It was out of control. When I say out of control, it was out of, it was like mayhem. I hadn't seen anything like it before. It was awesome. And, and they gave us the, I got, I got, I collect all these coins and stuff. So the I have challenge all these awesome coins, coins are amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I got a bunch of those. I got awesome patches and stuff like that. And so I patched up some of my coats with, with uh, some of the military garb that I've gotten over the years and really cool stuff. So can you talk to me about what you think you took from growing up the son of a Vietnam veteran and how that affected how you are now? Because it's too common in the interviews I'm doing to be coincidence, to have all of these musicians come from veteran families, and especially the generation that we're at, so many of those veterans are Vietnam veterans. And so there's got to be a correlation between the creativity that you've been able to funnel in your life and where you come from. Yeah, I think as I look at it in retrospect, I've found a healthy way to express myself. And, you know, but my father, um, who served in Vietnam, he was drafted to war. My dad wasn't a warrior. Um, he was not a, a, a fighting type, um, but he was drafted and he went to the military and uh, he experienced some horrific stuff in Vietnam. Um, he told me a story that I just 
I broke down and cried. I was like, because he never opened up about what he went through in Vietnam until I was probably like 25. And I, I had to search my father out. My, my father, you know, here's a crazy story. A lot of dudes in Vietnam um, started, they got addicted to heroin. They were doing heroin over there. And what my dad was doing was he was, you could send photos home. So what they, he, they would do is they would take and uh, flatten out the heroin and laminate it behind a picture, put it in a picture frame, send it home. So when you got home, you had your stuff. And so my, my father just didn't know how to deal with the effects of war. And, and it really drove him into a dark, dark, dark place. And he struggled for years. He still struggles to this day. Um, and so the effects of, of war on my family were profound. Um, I lost, I essentially don't have a relationship with my father. You know, I, I know that he loves me. I know that he cares, but he just doesn't know how to show it. And it just hurts my heart because it's not necessarily for myself, but all the other people in the world that deal with the fathers that have dealt with this atrocious, these, these atrocities and had these experiences and the damage and the emotional trauma, the spiritual trauma that they come home with. How do we unravel that? You know, and I think that we're doing a better job um, nowadays uh, versus, you know, back in Vietnam, they were coming back and they were, they were calling, you know, baby, you're a baby killer, you know, and just, it was, it was tough, but in the reality, that's what was happening. Babies were getting killed. You know what I mean? And that's, that's real. Um, so now we're doing a lot better job of, of trying to rehabilitate fellows, uh, military dudes. My, my father-in-law, um, Oscar, he started going to a support group where he started talking about um, his experiences in Vietnam. And it really broke down some walls for him. And he had, he was able to have some healing. And so, you know, the Wounder Warrior Project, that's another, that's an awesome thing. Um, uh, there's another thing called Hero Hunt that um, helps uh, soldiers develop a healthy relationship with a rifle again. Um, and so I think that we really need to do our best efforts to help these fellows come back when they come back from war, because, you know, I grew up in a house where war, that experience really destroyed my father. And, and in turn, my family fell apart. And so, and there's a lot of that still happening. And, and, and a lot of veterans right now, a lot, a, a, I think it's like 13% of the homeless are um, military veterans. And so we can do better. We just need to continue to strive to do better and to uh, provide services, not just, uh, not just medication, but uh, mental health services to our fellows coming back so they can assimilate. Because, you know, PTSD is a real thing and it affects people in crazy different ways. And so uh, it's a, there's a price, there's a price to fighting in war. And, and sometimes it's really heavy and suicide is a massive, it's, it's a real big deal for veterans. And that, it just hurts my heart to know that, you know? And so I uh, kind of a long winded answer, but you know, it's, it's a, it's an onion that, you know, there's layers to this thing. And, and uh, some people know how to deal with the effects of it and come back and can co compartmentalize and others can't. Well, part of the reason why I asked you 
is that it's something we're all learning, right? So we don't we don't all come from families where our dads served in Vietnam. We don't all uh, come from a military background. But I bring it up because of how you talked about your son having troubles and needing to reach out to somebody. You were very vocal about the slip up with your sobriety during the lockdown. And when I when I read that, I had so much respect for you because I know that so many people are struggling with that same thing. And you could have very easily kept that struggle to yourself, not have admitted that you fell down. And I think that if we're going to get better, whether it be with mental health, drug addiction, PTSD, if we're all afraid to have these hard conversations, like I'll tell you, um, I lost a friend recently that was in the platoon of guys that protected me when I was in Afghanistan. And he and I became the best of friends when he got home. And I am in the middle of this grief thing that I am trying to navigate. And rather than keep it quiet, I've been making a concerted effort to talk through it and publicly talk about it. Because I know I'm not the yeah. only one that's going through this. So talk to me about the decision to make that public statement about your sobriety. Because I give you a lot of credit for being able to do that. Yeah. Uh, first off, sorry for your loss. That's that's loss. Losing losing people that you love, that you're friends with, that's that's a tough thing. Um, and yeah, man, you got to feel the feelings, you know, and celebrate the life and the relationship that you guys did have. You know, it's like... Yep there's those bright spots in it. And, and, uh, but it's a, that's a heavy, that's a heavy emotion to walk through. Um, and so, yeah, you gotta, you gotta talk about it. You gotta, you gotta put it out there. And, uh, for me, you know, with my sobriety, I I take it seriously and I just was struggling pretty hard for a minute. I got disconnected. I was disconnected by my own fault from my sobriety brothers and, uh, really was isolated. And I started smoking weed again. And, uh, you know, I thought it was, I thought it was going to work out for me, but somehow, man, any, anytime I put any, uh, like any form of, uh, mind altering, if I put a mind altering substance into my body, eventually it's going to lead me back to my dark self, my isolated, depressed, anxious, uh, fearful, insecure version of me. And, you know, fast forward some months and, and that's where I was. And I just, I, I knew that I was, I was on my way back to drinking, you know, and that for me, that's a frightening, that's a real frightening place for me. I, I, I haven't picked up the bottle now in nine years. Um, but when I say, when I say that I'm sober, that I am clean and sober, like I'm not taking a volume. I'm not taking, it's just, it doesn't work for me because anytime I, I do it. It just, I just slowly get derailed. And so I just had to pull the plug on it and get honest and just, you know, call up my sobriety brothers and go, Hey man, this is, this is what's going on. I'm struggling. I'm really in a, in a bad spot. Um, and I know that I'm headed towards the drink again and, uh, I need help. And so I just started doing the work again and, and, uh, suiting up and showing up and going to my meetings of recovery and being honest, and it's really helped me create a lot of really healthy routines again. Um, Cause you know, backsliding, that shit is easy. 
you know, into old habits and old routines. I'm in my forties. Right. So it's like, sometimes it's hard to eat, teach an old dog new tricks, but I'm like, I need a new trick. I'm ready. You know? And, and uh, it's, uh, you know, that's what got me back into the meditation and, you know, mindfulness and my spirit life. And it's, it's really paid off for me to be open and honest because when I'm not open and honest and I'm in that sneaky behavior, it's just, that's the devil's playground in my life. And, uh, it's not a safe place for me to be. And I can really become ungrateful and soon, uh, destroy the things that I love. And why do I have that in me? I don't know, but there's just this built in like self-destruction button that I just want to go. And I got a good life. Why? You know what I mean? And so that's what I'm trying to uncover. That's what I've continuously tried to uncover. Um, you know, I think some of it, uh, I guess, maybe goes back to some of the things that I dealt with as a kid that I'm still, you know, I'm a 40 year old man, but I'm still dealing with like daddy issues. Well, right? those are but formative like, years, and you're recognizing it as a dad yeah. of sons now yeah. that were that age. Yeah. I, I'm telling you when it, the way that I approach being a father, it's maybe that, maybe the, wow. Maybe the perspective that I need to have is that I needed to go through that to like be able to learn how to be the father that I wanted to be and not to be. Damn. It's like a therapy session we're having here, Jacoby. Yeah. All right, that just got real for a minute, man. But yeah, cause it's like the way, the way that I love my kids, man, I'm like, I am just, I am a, passionate father for my for my boys you know like I love celebrating them I love being there when they're hurting I love being there when they're having a good time um and I got yeah it's being a dad is it's dad life is the rad life I became a stepmom when I got married and since I don't have my own kids this has been a new experience for me this is this is different I'm like excited about yep. goals at soccer games and book reports and That's things awesome. that I never had to worry about before. That's bitching. You know, I gotta, I gotta tell you, shout out to the step parents. Cause, uh, I, my mom had gotten remarried to a fella, uh, named Bill William Howard Roach to be exact. And, uh, he is, he is a knight in shining armor. Like he came through and like, I was not nice to him. Like at, when I was like 10, I was not a nice kid. I just was pretty, I don't like you, you know? And it, it was tough and I was tough on him, but he loved me through that stuff. And now like, that's my dad, you know? So I do, I do have a father. Um, but you know, it's a, Shout out to the step parents because when you guys can step up and love those kids through that through that wreckage that they're walking through, like that's healing. That help. That's so helpful. So that's awesome. And uh, how if you don't mind me asking, you say you playing playing sports. Is it a high school kid or is it? They're twelve and fourteen, so it's like they're right in that young age. Oh man, think of it. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. It's interesting. It's been very interesting and a slow progression because. I yeah. I had that fear, like, you know, you're a 10-year-old kid that instantly hates the new guy. Like, I don't want to yeah. be the Disney villain. I don't want to be the evil step monster. You know what I mean? So Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, dude, they landed 
they landed with a cool stepmom. Right? So one of the Step things, mom. bringing up all of the sobriety stuff, one of the things that when I saw all the posts about it was the amazing reaction and the love and support that you got from your fans. And your fans haven't been able to be with you in the way that they normally would have been over this last year. Can you talk about how important the fans are for you? And, and even though you can't see them at shows, how important they've been over the last year? Oh yeah, man. It's like an extended family. It's, it's a, it really is awesome to know that there's people out there that I don't, that I don't even know, right. That are rooting for me, um, that care about me. And that's like, that's, that's powerful stuff right there. And, you know, I also feel like I got a responsibility to, to be honest about where I'm at in my life, you know, cause I don't want to celebrate something that's not real, you know? And, and I had fans going, Hey, congratulations on, you know, nine years of sobriety. And I'm like, right on, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's not, that's not the path I'm trying to take. Like I'm just on that honesty is the best policy type lifestyle. And, and so, yeah, I'm grateful for the support that I've gotten from, from the fans out there and, and the understanding. And it's a, you know, life is about my life for me. It's like people see the success but then they also understand like behind the success, there's just so many failures and I'm really good at like one thing I'm like professional at is failing. I'm really good at it. I've gotten good at it and I'm willing to fail um, to get back up and try it again. To well, find they a say way. successful people I, come from a path of failure, that the failures are what make you successful eventually. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I just, I got that good, I got a good keep getting back up or installed in me or whatever that thing's called. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That get up motherfucker. Yeah. That's installed in me. It's hardwired. And with everything that's gone on in the last year, I mean, just turning on the news has been difficult. And one of the things that I think has been really cool and talk about a lot is that for as divided as the world can be in a lot of ways, the rock community, right? All of us, the rejects, the dregs of society, the outcasts. We're now this shining example of this close-knit community where everyone is allowed, that that we're open to, to everybody coming in. And it's about inclusion and about being equal and how we all just want to get in that venue and cram in the pit and scream our heads off. When the hell did we become examples of how the world should be? When did that happen? <laughs> oh man, you know I think what it is. Uh, the, the key words I think you threw down there was in, for me was just inclusion. It's just so important. Like it's been that's the way I've been innately since I was a kid. You know, the kid that was getting picked on, I was like, I would stick up for that kid. Um, I think that that's a that's an element in my spirit and I'm part of rock and roll. So that's an element of rock and roll spirit, you know, and I think that it's important to stay open minded and be willing to listen to somebody else. My brother in law gave me a great analogy. He's like, man, he's like, why can't we just get along? People like like 
please, you got to understand, like, I'm married to a woman that I argue about just about everything with. And I love her. And I'm like, yeah, that totally makes sense. And uh, that's that's the beauty of music, man. I think that's the beauty of rock and roll is that it's it's come one, come all and be yourself and let's celebrate. And, and I love being knowing that I'm part of something that brings people together and and doesn't divide. And that's that's thank God, you know, that's where I'm at and that's how I'm living. And I think that that spirit of inclusiveness and inclusion is we need more of it. And 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 another thing is, you know, we're, a, a lot of us rock and rollers, we're like sensitive people. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, we're sensitive motherfuckers. And uh, I think being a sensitive person has helped me feel how somebody else feels. Empathy is a big thing in this world. Empathy is a very big thing. Yeah, I I, I don't ever want to lose my empathy because I think it's understanding someone, maybe not knowing exactly what it's like to be in their shoes, but be willing to understand or feel for them is important. You know, because we just people want to be heard. We want to be heard. We want to be recognized. We want to be noticed. And and that's fact. And when you try to create a space where you're not noticed and you're not welcome and you're not understood and no to you and no to nah, that's like that's not that's not the walk, man. That's not that's not the that's not the walk that I'm on. You know, and uh, if anybody else wants to join me and Mistress Carrie on that walk, let's go. Rock what, and roll. What I love is that you guys have really embraced this whole new generation of rock fans. And one of the way you're getting to them is on TikTok. And you, I, I went from a year ago, not even giving a shit about TikTok to being like, I communicate with my husband via TikTok messages sometimes because <laughs> we're just sending them to each other. It's like, tell me about reaching out to this whole new generation of Papa Roach fans, especially through TikTok. Yeah. So, you know, like I said earlier, I've been taking a break from the social media, but I can't necessarily say that it's a complete break because I'll create content for social media platforms. You know what I'm saying? Um, But yeah, TikTok has been an awesome way to stay connected and be humorous and have fun with it. I think that that's, what's fun about that platform is it's, it's a stage and it's a stage and you could choose how you want to be on that stage. And so, you know, it's like my, my, my little guy was like, dad, you should like do, do something where you like throw a piece of bread into the toaster, like dude, perfect style. And I was like, all right. And so we set up the camera and I'm like sitting there, I'm like trying to throw the thing in there. I keep walking by trying to throw the piece of toast in. I probably did it like 25 times. Then my boy Jagger comes in, my 16 year old is like, Dad, let me show you how it's done. I'm like, all right, good luck, dude. So he grabs a piece of bread and starts chucking. He's like, oh, that's harder than I thought it was. I was like, yeah, give me the dang bread back. Let me handle this. So we keep going and we do it and we land it finally. And like Brixton standing in front of the camera, he's like, oh my God. And I was like so stoked that I did it. Um, but it was just, it's a fun way to connect with people and just grab people's attention for a moment and just remind people that, hey, what's up? We're here. We're doing our thing. And uh, we discovered this, this artist, this young artist, Jairus Johnson, through that. And this kid was popping off on TikTok. And I get, kept getting these text messages from friends. Yo, dude, you see this little 
this clip. I was like, oh, damn, this kid's pretty tight. This kid's got a vibe. And uh, next thing you know, I invite him down to the studio. Next thing you know, we're cutting this track. Next thing you know, we're shooting a music video. Next thing we know, we're, we're releasing this, this Last Resort re Reloaded track to celebrate, you know, 20 years of this song and like social media, man. It's, it can be, it can be like a nasty place or it can be a great place. And I've experienced both. I've experienced the nastiness of it. And that's kind of why I took a bit of a break because it was just too much. And then I experience, I've experienced the good parts of it. And the good parts, man, they made me feel all warm and fluffy inside. You know, I like, I like to be in my feels that way. So yeah, I have fun with it. There's some hilarious shit on there. I love the duet videos that you do. The one I literally was doubled over laughing. And it was the guy that was like, black people, what white person jam gets you turned up and then they were listening to freaking last resort and there you are reacting to it on the side and i was dying hell yeah dude like i said music brings people together dude that's what's up like i love that man that's unity is is a powerful thing and and uh that song in particular it just spans it's like cross genre Cross generation, generational, cross racial hit. Like it's all everybody loves it. And I'm like, how do we write a song that everybody loves? What? It's pretty rad. That's a good thing. One of the other things that I love that you did was you collaborated with the Apocalyptica guys and you covered another song that has kind of stood the test of time and generationally just kept going and has this momentum. And when you're, when you're going to sit down with a bunch of cellists and cover cream, what's going through your head? <laughs> well, first off, I've been wanting to collaborate with Apocalyptica for years now. And I got a phone call from uh, Howard Benson, the producer, and a, and, a, and a message from Ica, one of the cellists. And they were like, hey, we want, we want to... We, we want to collaborate with you. What do you think about doing uh, White Room by Cream? And I was like, oh. And I just saw the I had just saw the movie jo uh, Joker with Joaquin Phoenix. And on the, when the credits roll at the end of the song, White Room is the song that was playing. So that song was just kind of like embedded in my mind after watching that film. And I was just like, oh hell yeah, we need to do this. And so they sent me the track. And I heard it and I was like, those are fucking cellos. It doesn't and, sound like it. I thought it, was I... Like, I thought it was like a lead guitar, like playing over it. And I was like, no, that's me on a wall playing a distorted cello. I'm like, dude, this is so sick. Because I knew what they'd done and what they did. But I just, I was like, oh, you guys are layering in some guitars. And they're like, literally, there are no guitars in this. There's only a live bass guitar and then all cellos. And the track rips. And it's just an, such an iconic classic. and. I was able to do uh, Smoke on the Water with um, Carlos Santana probably like 10 years ago. I remember that. Um, for, for one of his records. And I had a good time singing like a classic rock track on that. And so when this came around, I was just like done and done because I've been wanting to work with Apocalyptica and I love ripping a classic rock track and making it feel modern. 
and uh it's just it's a it's a rad song and i can't wait to get out there and perform it with those guys at some point man they are they're they're the craziest heaviest show to see them live and you wouldn't think it because they're classically trained cellists oh yeah yeah dude they they rip i remember the first time i saw them um i was in germany at rock'em ring festival and tobin and jerry and and Tony were like, hey, let's go check these guys out. Never seen them before. And so I just threw my hoodie on and went out in the crowd and watched them. And they, it was like 60,000 people. And I'm like, damn, I've been missing out on this. This is sick. And yeah, just a, just a great live group. And to be able to uh, share the track with them is definitely an honor. And so it's, you know, it's one for the classic rock fans, but then it's also for the, for the new heads as well. So people need to go check it out. I've read a lot of stuff about, the new Papa Roach record that you're going to do an acoustic song that, yeah. you, that, that you're doing all of this stuff. How much did the last year and the downshift of your life, how much did it change what this record was going to be? I think for me, it, it definitely had a massive impact on the process and creation of this record. Um, we were we were coming to the end of an era with eleven seven better noise music, and we were planning on releasing a greatest hits album, and so it felt like we were at the beginning of a new era. It feels like we're at the beginning of a new era in our career. And so when we went into the studio, uh, everybody got COVID tested, and we rented this big old house out in Temecula, California, down it's like close to the desert out there, and we all show up. We, we had a chef there that cooked. We never left the compound for a month. So we were there and 24 hours a day, there was creative creativity happening at some point somewhere in the house. It was like, there were days when we would just be up till six in the morning, still creating, writing, ripping, jumping off balconies. Oh yeah. Jumping off balconies and yeah, just getting nuts, just having fun with it. And And uh, I think this process for us, you know, we did that before when we lived at the Paramore, we lived together and we wrote and recorded. And so we hadn't done that since then. And we felt like this just felt it was the right time to do that because, you know, COVID, nobody could go nowhere. So let's just shut in and, and rock together. And we really uncovered something spec, like incredibly special in this new album and it's it's all over the place it's heavy as fuck it's emotional it's funky it's it's brutally honest more honest than i wanted to be at moments um and to the point of being uncomfortable at times and and that's what i think was important and that's when I think we land on special moments in our music is when we're a bit uncomfortable, um, especially with the acoustic track that we wrote and recorded. Um, it's outside the box. You know, it's something that we've never done before on the record for a record. And but it's it's so good. We were like, we can't not do this like we have to. And I remember back to the time when we wrote um, Scars and at the time. We were just like, this is so different. Like our fans going to just 
are our fans going to hate us for this song? Cause it's so different. And, but we knew we were like this, but it's good. This feels right. Like don't deny this evolution of yourself. Cause it's a, it's an extension of your creativity. Go with it. And that is now a classic. Right. And so I think when we get to those moments in creation and creativity where we feel a little unsettled about it, that's a good place to be. And uh, we got a record that I don't, it's going to blow people's minds. Like it's just, it's that album. And it's, uh, I just, I can't wait for people to hear it. It's a trip. We're taking you on a journey on this one. And it's not a self-indulgent journey. It's the journey you want to be on with Papa Roach. Well, do you think after celebrating, say, the 20th anniversary of a record and like that you finally earned, you know, that the fans really know who you are. And so you guys have this ability to now kind of be able to really take those left turns that you're kind of more open creatively because you're established yeah. now. Like, would you have been comfortable releasing yeah. this record 10 or 15 and- years ago? No. No, I don't think so. 10 or 15 years ago, we would not be comfortable releasing this record. Um, it's We've had to evolve to this point in, a, in our creativity. And it's trippy, man, because I feel like with Papa Roach, the more experience that we get in songwriting, the more life experience that we have, it's like it just keeps getting better and, and more impactful, more inspired throughout the years and we definitely got something to say we have music that feels important it feels like we're pushing rock into the future it feels like this is we're on the front end of something and and i feel like honestly carrie like we're we're on the verge of like a rock and roll comeback like to the major level like big time i just feel like it's it's cyclical and it just feels like rock is coming back, you know, and, and people are turning their guitars back up and, you know, just it's, it's exciting and inspiring. And I think that to be at a band at this point with this many years behind us, but so inspired for so many years ahead of us is fuck man. It's everything I could, it's, it's more than I could ever ask for. You're not the only artist that I've heard say that, that you feel like rock is, is is like it's like we had to be forced back into the underground to like regenerate ourselves and like crawl up out of the grave again. You know what I mean? It's like yep, totally. Which is part it's a of good space. It's a good space to be coming from, to be honest, because I I know and you know it's like a lot of people are like, oh, what's happening to the industry or what's ha-? it's like it's the the music business is ever changing and it's never going to stay the same. And so we have to remain adaptable, just like what you're doing right here, right? It's adapting and evolving into the future and pushing it and not being, Oh, well, what I did is, is what I did. Well, guess what? That's the old school. So how are we going to evolve into the future? And I think that that's important. And I think we've, we've grasped that concept and ran with it. And now we're like fucking leading the charge with it. And I'm so excited that other rock people are speaking the same language because it's important. You know, the, the, the things we put out there into the universe, like, you know, (laughs) if you build it, they will come, you know, look at all the massive rock festivals that are happening in America. Now they weren't happening, you know, 
10 years ago, 12 years ago, 15 years ago. We didn't have it. Now it's building and growing and building and growing. And it's just like, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an exciting time. So when I think we get back out there and touring becomes, you know, full tilt boogie again, we're going to have some shows that are like no other. Well, that was one of the things that was the hardest about losing a station, a legacy 50 year radio station like WAF, because I feel you in, in the new England area, there isn't anything that's going to take its place. There isn't, there isn't that station stepping forward that's going to take the risks with new artists and try yeah. new things. And so when I started my company and launched my podcast, I was like, you know what? Like, we got to keep the rock community in the region together. Yep. But also, in the last year, my podcast is yeah. in 101 countries now. It's nationwide. Yeah. And it's like this rock community is just as vibrant as ever. It's just different. It's changing. It's changing. Maybe it's becoming less regional and more global. You know what I'm saying? Less just in this small area, like you said. And now you're going, fuck, look, I've got this thing getting posted all over the country. And that's when we start to embrace that element of, of, this internet, these series of tubes or whatever this thing is, <laughs> you don't talk about, um, it's, it's connecting us in different ways. And so we're using it as a tool, um, to, to do that, to spread the gospel of rock and roll. And it's important that we don't, you know, just take that challenge like you just had, right. And go, I'm going to pack my, pack up my ball and go home. Like, nah, dude, there's something better on the other side. If you just press through. And that's what, you know, we've done with Papa Roach because it felt like the dark ages for a minute of rock and roll. But we kept pressing through and kept pressing through and kept pressing through because we believe in this. And now we're coming out on the other side and we're, I can't, you know, like you said, we were just really, um, or like I said, we just released another greatest hits. I'm like, two greatest volume two? Like, what the fuck? Huh? How are we doing this? <laughs> yeah. So, and I just I can't wait to get back to it, though, man, and see what other new young inspired musicians are coming out with music and and, and how the genre is evolving and and what people's live shows are going to be like. And, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a new and exciting time as scary as it has been. I see the light. I'm glad we're not going to lose you to your illustrious acting career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you will not. I'm not that <laughs> great of an actor. I'm not that great of an actor. Um, we brought up WAF, and as I've been talking to people that I've known for decades, like I've known you, do you have an old AAF memory from like the early days of Papa Roach or something that when you came to Boston and and maybe in the early days of the band and you go, oh my God, like I can't believe that happened or like just some AAF moment that you remember? So I remember the first time we had played there, you guys had presented the show and we played in this super special. It was, it was next to, you know, where the house of blues is. So it was right down the street from it. And I, if I, my memory serves me correctly, I think it was called Bill's. Yeah. Bill's bar. Yeah. That's a tiny place. And so I remember that. Well, dude, we show up and we're like thinking, you know, we're, we're just, we're just starting this thing out. Are people going to be here? And we show up and that place was packed to the fucking gills. And for us, that was our first experience, you know, and we're like, we're right across the way from Fenway Pack. You know what I'm saying? So 
I'm tripping out, dude. I'm like, dude, the Red Sox, that's where Wade Boggs played. And uh, another great memory is uh, uh, you, myself, and Eddie Gowan going to a game and watching Big Poppy out there and uh, watching the We had the good Red Sox. seats, if I remember. We were right on, for, Amazing on the first seat. baseline. Dude, like, so good. I was like, oh, I hope I don't catch a foul ball. Yeah, that was that was a good time. And so I, I've definitely got a love uh, for Boston and the people. And uh, another cool, cool thing we did, and this is just outside of, of the rock stuff, this dude invited us out on his boat out in the harbor out there. It was just amazing. It was like, this is the vibe. I'm, this is back when I was drinking. So I was like, yeah, sipping wine on this boat, feeling all fly and frisky and then going Later that day, taking the boat to the dock and then going to the show. Like I was just like, man, this is living. Yeah, it's the the East Coast is a different way of living than the West Coast, but Almost it's definitely. our own thing. Totally, man. I mean, you guys have so much, so much more history, really and truly. And it's like the West Coast. It's like we're still babies. You know what I mean? Like it's not as, and and the cultural, um, I guess it's like the neighborhoods, right? The Irish neighborhood, the Italian neighborhood. Uh, the, the Puerto Rican neighborhood, like the communities and like that type of thing. Not it's that's important. Like people celebrating their culture and their heritage, but living together in the same city is powerful. You know, New York, the same thing. It's like, you know, you go, you go down to little Italy, then you go a little China over there. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, you go get, the well, it's the immigrant communities. It's that yeah. it's the immigrant mindset of, of giving it all up and going to a new yeah. place and, and that we got to stick together to survive and then slowly becoming part of the bigger fabric. I mean, that's yeah. the story of who we all are. Absolutely. You know, so uh, we're still, we're still figuring that out here on the West coast. You know, we just little babies out here. We, we like to hang loose and keep it mellow. Before I let you go, I got to ask you this question and I'll preface the question by saying, I started asking people this question and the answers have been fascinating. Um, because I'm not a musician or a songwriter, I'm just a lover of the craft. I, I, I love the music and can appreciate the talent and the emotion and everything that you put into it. As a songwriter, what is a song from any genre, from any artist, from any era that you wish you wrote and why? It's a tough question, but the answers are always amazing because you're coming at it from the perspective yeah. of the creative. I feel like uh, Helter Skelter by the Beatles. I just, there's something about that song. It just, to me, that, that sounds like the beginnings of heavy metal music. Like a lot of people will, will say it's Led Zeppelin. But when I listen to that song, that sounds like the beginnings of heavy metal and just the melodies, the lyrics, the impact of that song, the impact of that band period, and just Paul McCartney just fucking shredding his vocal cords on that stuff. Like he is probably one of my favorite rock vocalists. And, you know, it's like that riff is just so heavy. And it was just, 
very revolutionary for the times and forward thinking and they were they were progressing rock and roll into the future you know and it didn't sound like anything else that was happening at the time no it was messy and i think that that and distorted. i think those reasons yeah yeah it's it just sounded like the speakers were blown up and that was like the beginnings of that big distorted guitar you know and uh that's something that is alive and well today you know it's like people when they turn that guitar up it's not just that clean sound that they want it's that distorted overdriven nasty grimy sound and uh and even like just talking on the beatles they were one of those bands that like i said earlier progress rock into the future but they also were really into utilizing the technology at hand the new types of technology and manipulating it to create new sounds and new experiences the and layering stuff. of the multiple tracks exactly and playing stuff backwards um cutting the tape and chop piecing it back together and uh and so we're doing that these days but just with different tools and that's what's uh that's what is really inspiring about the beatles and you know in particular that song helter skelter it's just a fucking ripper it's a ripper yeah see now you're saying it like a bostonian it's a ripper <laughs> well the other thing that's coming back too is vinyl like oh. all the all the old is new again and it's oh, yeah. so cool you guys are going to release the record on vinyl right absolutely yeah everything we release in the future um is planned to be on vinyl as well and i love that really when we're creating the artwork and the and the packaging we work backwards we start with the album artwork like the big size lp artwork and then we take those artistic elements and then find ways to fit them in all the other ways, you know, whether it be on the internet, whether it be on CD packaging, or even I've kind of, I kind of want to release a cassette as well on this next one. I feel Do you like, think that that would be cool again? Dude, look at this. So I was going through my old boxes of stuff while I've been home and uh, I found a box of these things right here. These are the original Papa Roach. I think uh, I have one of those. Dude, right here. Dead Cell and Last Resort, the two, two song. It says, Infestation Infestation begins spring 2000. And so these are, yeah, this is uh, dated 1999. These were pressed up. And uh, I, I, it, even, it even has our old P.O. box on it, which is amazing. Well, you guys gave us cases of those, and at yep. WAF, we would go out, and the and the street teams would like hand them out outside of shows. Like that's how it used to get done. Hell yeah, dude! I think street teams, man. I think those things like people forget how valuable those elements are because you know when you're on this thing and it's like you're just scrolling through the device. There's so much going on, and there's so much advertisement that it's like when somebody just taps you on the shoulder and's like, "Hey, yo, check this out." It's it's a it's it's a powerful element. So who knows how those uh, street teams could be possibly implement, implemented into the future again, because that person to person face to face is it's a powerful thing. Yeah, it really is. And that's why I'm so grateful that I got to catch up with you. And I love the fact that even though we were, you know, we're recording an audio podcast that I can see you. 
Yeah, totally. Totally. Because it makes it so much more personal to be able to look at your face and see yeah. how you're doing. And it just makes it so much better. Oh, yeah. I, I, I absolutely agree. It's uh, it's definitely got me excited about, you know, as we set up a new album, it's like I can be speaking to everybody across the world right through this experience right here. And uh, I don't got to get on a plane and fly to Japan to go do an interview. I can do it like this. You know, and then I'll I'll show up to Japan when we're playing a rock and roll show and then we'll do an interview then, too. But you know what I'm saying? It's definitely a great way to connect with people. And straight up, it's really good to see you. I'm glad you're doing so good. Really. Yeah, it's good to it's see awesome. you, too. It's it's strange having a commute where I don't have to fight Boston traffic anymore that I just got to take my coffee cup. Yeah. And walk down a flight of stairs. I love that coffee cup, by the way. That one's sick. Thank you very much. That's a solid. But yeah. It's uh, it's been really interesting. And from my perspective, my studio is always clean because there isn't a bunch of other disgusting yeah. dudes at AAF making it all messy. Yep. I totally feel you. It's like being able to have your own space. That's like, this is the, this is the don't come in here zone. Like past that door. It's like, doop, doop, doop. I'm like, what's up? You know what I mean? Don't, don't come in here. Don't come in here. You Take know, your shoes I'm, off. Yeah, that's hey, kick your shoes off and don't touch anything, okay? <laughs> yeah. It's my spot. I love it. The Tresmegulin spaceship. Well, I can't wait to hear the new record. And more importantly, I can't wait to hear you play the songs live and to oh, be able to sit down in person and talk to you about it. Absolutely. It'll be good to catch up face to face. Yeah. Sure. It was really it good was, seeing you. It was good to see you too. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm so glad that everybody in the family, everybody's doing so good. And oh, yeah. uh, I, I can't wait for the recovery of all of what we've been through to continue so we can yep. figure out what normal is going to be in the future. Oh, it's and when we get back to it, it's going to be fucking awesome. I never thought I was going to miss getting stepped on and sweat on and spit on and rubbing up against strangers and having beer spilled down my back. Like, totally. I miss that so much. Well, guess what? It's coming. I know. All right, Jacoby, we'll see you soon. It was so good to see you. Most definitely. Great to see you as well. See you later. Peace. There he is, the one and only Jacoby Shaddix from Papa Roach. If you're looking to get a hold of him, all of the links to his socials, including his illustrious TikTok account, are linked in the show notes of this podcast. The corresponding playlist for this episode is also linked in the podcast as well. I make a playlist for every episode featuring all of the music that we talked about. Once again, I want to say thank you very much to our sponsors, Digital Federal Credit Union at dcu.org. They are hiring right now. And use the code MOM2021 at mistresscarry.com in the official online store where ladies tease and baby onesies are on sale in time for Mother's Day, which is coming up soon. So don't screw up Mother's Day. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss anything. Full-length episodes come out every Wednesday. Plus, the Situation Report is Monday through Friday. All of your rock news and music headlines in under five minutes. Plus, give us a five-star review and leave me a comment. And let me know what you thought of the interview with Jacoby. And you can join me every Tuesday night at 8.30 live on my Facebook page for Cocktails in the War Room. The Mistress Carrie podcast is a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network.
The Venture X card from Capital One gives you premium travel benefits, perfect for seeing Taylor Swift The Eras Tour, presented by Capital One. Oh, I do love her. Earn five times miles on flights and 10 times miles on hotels through Capital One Travel. Enjoy your stay in Suite 13. Whoa, 13? That's Taylor's lucky number. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. By now, you know that sound. It's the sound of the Home Depot. But what about that sound? You're listening to a set of GE appliances, complete with all you need to keep food fresh, dishes clean, and everything else stress-free. Making this the sound of savings on top brand appliances. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Get up to 25% off select GE appliances right now. Offer valid January 5th through January 25th, 2023. U.S. only. See store or online for details. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.